We've been talking about what it looks like to follow, and specifically to follow last week the instructions, and this week follow the plan that God has for us. Um, I don't follow very well. Anybody like me? I just don't follow well. Uh, I tell you, I, I hear instructions, <laughs> but getting the instructions in action sometimes is a challenge for me. And some of it's because I think my idea is better than whoever I'm hearing to say, follow this. And sometimes it translates into my relationship with the Lord. Maybe it does to you as well. You think, eh, I see it, I read it, I hear it, I believe it, actually. I'm not willing to do it. So I don't think it's going to work today as good as this is going to work. And I'll follow my own way, and I'll get at the end of that day or that week or that month and think, should have done it his way. My way didn't work very well. I got off the plan and got onto my own, and sometimes that's, that's the way that works. Uh, we don't need to look far around us to see that our God is a God of order. He's a God of design. He's a God of, of detail that puts things together. Uh, it's fall where I would, bring, I would have brought a green leaf in here to, to show you the, the veins in a leaf and how every vein feeds the next one and how that leaf itself absorbs carbon dioxide that we breathe out and animals breathe out and gives out oxygen for us to breathe and how in the detail and the design of God we are sustained and not just sustained but blessed and not just blessed but fruitful and not just fruitful but satisfied and fulfilled. Now, turn to Isaiah chapter 48, if you will. We're going to read several verses here together, and I want to glean some things from God's plans for us, what he has to say here through our, our guide, Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. This is what the Lord says, Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would have been like the sand, your children like its numberless grains. Their name would never be cut off nor destroyed before me. But four things I want us to see today. First of all, God's plans for us are always the best way. They're always the best way. Look at verse 17 again. This is what the Lord says, you redeemed with the Holy One of Israel, who teaches you what is best for you. The one who teaches you what is best for you. Now, here who... Who's here who hadn't made a mistake about going your own way and learning the hard way from the Lord and from his Holy Spirit and from consequences that I went the wrong way? <clears throat> All of us have done that, at least in a situation or in a moment that, of weakness. But learning God's best for us, and he says here, who directs you in the way you should go. Learning God's best for us is a process of direction, a process of God bringing his plan into production to say, here's the way. No, not there. No, not there. Here's the way. Nope, not there today. And he uses his word and his spirit. We'll talk about this a little more in a minute. <clears throat> but he uses his word and his spirit as guardrails for us to get us back in the center of his will, the center of his plan for us. But we get out again, don't we? So he brings us back again. And so that's a process for us as he directs us and corrects by way of his, by way of his direction where we should go. His plans, his ways, his design for us. And, and I'm sure this you mirror my, my own testimony to say sometimes... <clears throat> That begins and starts out of frustration. But if we stay in frustration forever, we'll bail on God's plan. So he has designed to take us from frustration to fruit, to where we start to see some evidence that his plan is working. We're frustrated that we, we didn't think of it. We're frustrated we didn't see it in the first place sometimes. But 
We move from frustration into fruit, and from fruit, if we stay with him long enough, from fruit into fulfillment. Now, that's the process of how God directs and guides, that he sees us in frustration. He sees us where we are, and our ways, our ways aren't working, our design isn't working, our plan for us isn't working as well as we thought it would. And so we start to step into his will, into his plan, in frustration that our own isn't working. And so he moves us from frustration of seeing that ours is, our, our, our way is a failed way into this is starting to bear fruit. This is starting to have evidence. It's starting to, to, to bear uh, a bouquet, in some, more or less, in somebody else's life. They're starting to see the fragrance of my living a certain way according to God's plan and design, design for me. And so as we start to bear fruit, we start to find a place of fulfillment. And as we start to find a place of fulfillment, we start to look back at our own way and think, how in the world did I think that would work? Why did I see what I saw when I saw it? And so when we see God's plan working, it, it takes us to that place. Uh, listen to Job's observations about this, Job 42, verses 1 to 3. This is at the end of <clears throat> the book of Job. Job replied, I know you can do all things. No, watch this. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Job says, no plan of yours can be thwarted. None. What's he saying? We have to be sometimes on the back end of the lesson to see it. And Job was on the back end of the lesson here. He'd already been lost everything. He's on the back end of the lesson. And so <clears throat> he sees what he should have seen on the front end of the lesson. That's this. God's ways, his plans, his design are always the best way for us. And it's frustrating for us to sometimes get on the back end to say, why, did, why could I not see this on the front end? Why could I not see God's design in his way for me to be the more fruitful way, the more productive way for me to live than what I saw for myself? So, he can teach us, as he says here, verse 7, he can teach us and direct us in these ways and say, and say it's a process. You're not going to get it instantly. You're not going to see my design instantly. You're not going to walk in it usually instantly. You understand that yours isn't working, mine is. Yours isn't working, mine is. Yours isn't working. So it's a process where you continue to leave your way behind and step into my plan for you. And again, that starts in frustration. He has designed out of frustration fruit and out of fruit fulfillment. And we'll see that process. It will be a whole lot more apt to walk in his way. And usually how difficult or lengthy it is is not dependent on whether we're leading or following. It's dependent on whether we're in the way or out of the way. And my own situation is I'm in my own way. Sometimes we, at our men's Bible study yesterday, we were talking about marriage and how oftentimes in the marriage relationship our husbands are our own worst enemy. We get in our own way for not seeing, seeing what we should see and we need to die a little to live a lot. And so this, this whole process of, of my seeing myself as, as the preeminent one in my life has to die. And I begin to set myself aside and I begin to see his design, his way, his plan, his goals, his dreams for me are where I need to follow. And so that, that process can be lengthy or short. Lengthy depending on how easy it is for me to let go of me or short if I'm willing to lay myself down and die to myself to pick up <clears throat> excuse me, what he has for me. So... God's plans for us are the best way. Secondly, God's plans for us are the way to peace. Look at the first part of verse 18. If only you had paid attention to my commands, he says, your peace would have been like a river. Your peace would have been like a river. You know why the suicide rate is growing every year, every year? You know why school shootings are more prevalent than they used to be in our, in our past? Because the search for meaning, I really believe this, the search for meaning it's really a search for peace. That as we search for, for a sense of direction and meaning and purpose and value and, and substance and, and significance, 
our search for those things is really a search for it's really a search for understanding who I am, understanding how God's wired me, understanding where he's put me in the place that he's put me in the situations that he's placed me in to say, I've got you here by design. I've got you here for a reason. I've got you here where you are, when you are, at my hand. And as we realize that, we can start to find a place of peace, a place of rest, a place that says, I'm exactly where he wants me. And so I'm, I'm stopping living out of frustration and, and, and a sense of what am I missing? What am I not seeing? And I'm seeing him instead of seeing the circumstances for what they are oftentimes how they wanted to define me to be. So peace comes from exactly knowing who we are, where we are, who he's designed us to be, where he's designed us to be there, <clears throat> and when he's designed for that to take place. And, and so none of us sit here this morning by accident. You, don't, you weren't born to the family you were born in. <clears throat> into by accident. You don't stay there by accident. You, you've not experienced the things you've experienced in life by accident. It's by the plan of God and the design, the hand of God for you to walk where you've walked. Now, some of that is hard. Some of that's in the middle of cancer. Some of that's through divorce. Some of that's through, through, through other physical Ill, ills or emotional failure. Or some of that's through job loss. Some of that's through hard places, isn't it? We've walked where we're walking by the designed hand of God to say, nothing comes into your life that I have not either caused or allowed. And so if that's true, we are work, walking where we're walking by the hand of God. So he has a plan for it. He has design for it. He has destination for where we are, that we don't stay there, that our story of what he's doing in the middle of that or what he does through that is the story that he wants to be heard, not how bad life is. Can I give it to you short? Heaven's heaven and nothing else is. Period. This place was not designed to work for you. It's not designed even to fit you or you fit here. Once you come to know him, heaven is heaven and nothing else is or will be. So our expectation for, for this to work and for this to everything, to, for the place to keep spinning, you know, our expectations are just that, a level in frustration. So when we find his plan, his way, we start to bear fruit, we start to be fulfilled, and we start to live less and less and less frustrated. Why? Because we, it's his way is the way to peace. It's the way to understanding where God wants me, when he wants me there, by his design. So here's a question as we, as we deal with peace. Is, are those moments of peace just that? Are they moments? Are they snippets in time? Or have, by design, you've learned his, his way is the best way, his process is the best process for me, and, and I've learned that peace can be a season, not just a moment. And beyond a season, peace can be a lifestyle, not just a season. Are you learning to live there? Or is it just some, some place you visit from time to time thinking, well, it's nice. <laughs> Wish I could stay here. I, I can. It's about God's design that I do. If I get out of that place and into frustration and into, into stress and into a lack of fulfillment, I've gotten that way my, on, my own, on my own accord. He, he wants me to walk with him in this place of peace, in this place of understanding, and his plan and his design yeah. is that we be there. So it's his way to turn frustration then into fulfillment and peace and exactly, uh, really, peace and fulfillment are besties. <laughs> they go everywhere together. They don't separate themselves. They're, 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 they're tight. And as we find fulfillment, we'll find peace in the fulfillment of God's plan for us. We get out of God's plan for us, we lose fulfillment, and we lose peace. We stay in his plan for us, we find both those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. His peace is always tied to his plan, always, every time. We wonder why we, why we don't have peace. I'm outside of God's plan, his will, his way, his direction for me. Thirdly, God's plan for us are the best way, the, the way to peace. And thirdly, God's plans for us are always right. Look at the latter part of verse 18. 
your righteousness like the waves of the sea. If only you paid attention to my commands, your righteousness would have been like the waves of the sea, he says there. We talked uh, last week about feeling like we're always swimming upstream. And that's in part because we're culturally conditioned to think that we're supposed to go with the flow. And God says, if you're living for me, following my plan, it's going to seem often like you're swimming upstream. It's going to seem often like there's, there's nobody on the path you're on, yet here you are with me. And I look around, everybody's going in the other direction, yet here's, here's where God's designed and destined for me to go. And that, that realization is, is, it, it is conditioned by our culture. I'm, I'm convinced it's conditioned by uh, at least four to five generations of higher academics saying there really is no absolute truth. And all truth is relative, and you make that up on the fly. Whatever is true for you is true for you. Whatever isn't, isn't. And our, 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 the absence of truth, the absence of what is right, has been replaced by the absence or, or by, by the reality of what is, what is uh, appropriate. And so now we're seeking appropriateness instead of rightness. And we've been conditioned academically to do that and culturally to do that, but we're doing it nonetheless, seeking what's appropriate as opposed to what's right. Sometimes what's right isn't appropriate. It just isn't. It doesn't fit our culture, and it stands in opposition to our culture. And so we find ourselves in those moment of, moments of struggle between appropriateness and rightness of where we're going to stand, where we're going to find ourselves standing and falling. We're going to stand on what is right, on righteousness, on rightness, he says here. We're going to find ourselves caving to appropriateness. So in doing that, I'm concerned with how, whether, whether I'm liked rather than whether I'm right. You don't believe that's true? Look at social media. Social media is a cry for like me, approve of me, agree with me, as opposed to I know that I'm right whether you agree with me, whether you like me or not, whether you approve of me or not. And so we find ourselves seeking likeness and, and affirmation rather than, than rightness. And there's something wrong with that picture he's seeing in this verse. You've missed me. You've missed my plans for you because you've not seen righteousness. You've not seen, you've not pursued rightness. You've pursued appropriateness instead of rightness. So if I'm valuing that, I'm valuing the wrong thing. How do I know if I'm on the right side of something? Well, we, we examined it last week. If I get back in the instruction manual, back in the plan, back on the roadmap, I understand rightness from wrongness. I understand if I'm, if I'm where God wants me or not. I understand if I'm, I can see if I'm in his way or out of his way. And so as I, see, as I seek his way in the, in the instruction book and as I listen to the rightness affirmed in my heart and to my mind by the Holy Spirit of God in me, I can, I can stand whether, whether nobody's standing with me or not and say, I know I'm in the right place. Why? Because it's, I'm, I'm, my, my place is affirmed by his word and affirmed by his spirit. And those two will never, ever, and I've said this over and over again, those two will never disagree. His word and his spirit will never, ever disagree with each other. So if you find that place of disagreement, guess what? You're either missing his spirit or misunderstanding his word. They will never disagree with each other by, his, by, by design. And so his, this, this idea of our, our being in turmoil is, or if we are, we're either out of tune with, with the Spirit or out of touch with God's Word. If we find ourselves in a place that says, I don't get it, I don't understand it, and I'm, I'm living day after day, week after week, month after month, decade after decade in turmoil, in a place of not understanding and seeking and getting God's will, I'm either away from His Word or away from His Spirit, one or the other, or both sometimes. So those things always work to get, walk together. And so the, the, the idea here is, is that these two, these two things, his word and his spirit, are, as I talked about earlier, the guardrails. And I need guardrails in my life. Really, all of us do, but you, I need them probably more than you do because I, I want to I seek my own way. I want to say, Lord, you're over here, aren't you? Let's go over here and see if you're over here. He said, no, I'm right here. 
You stay in your lane, and I'll use my word to pull you back. I'll use my spirit to pull you back, the, the guardrails of your life, to slap you back into reality and say, here's my way, here's my lane, here's my call, here's what I have for you, here's, here's where you need to be headed, as opposed to what's your way, what's your want, what's your desire. And so his word and his spirit of the guardrails to keep those things in place. <clears throat> Listen to these words from Proverbs. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Verse 14, 12. And Proverbs 16 says, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. That's the exact description of my life. In his heart <clears throat> a man plans his course, and that's what I tend to do day after day, year after year. But... It's the Lord who determines his steps. I can get out of his way. I can get out of his plan. And he always reminds me why. Because I find a lack of fulfillment, a lack of fruit, and finding full-time frustration when I'm out of his way for me. And he uses his word and his spirit as guardrails to bring me back into rightness, to bring me back into the place that he's designed me to be. So the question is, are you expecting or planning or, or, or asking for God to bless your plans or his? Your way of right? or his, what you see to be relevant, or his. Oftentimes our prayers look like, help, I don't get it. I'm not willing to go, to go your way, but I don't get it. But I'm still not willing to see your way, but I don't get it. <laughs> but I don't want that, but I don't get this. And he's crying out to us over and over and saying, listen, you got to die to this to get that. you got to let this go to see that. To see me, you got to die to you. To understand my way, you got to let your way lay down. So that's a hard process for some of us sometimes to, to lay our plans down and look for his, but it is always, always, always the right way, and he will lead us into what's right and what is true and what is righteousness. Finally, God's plans for us are the best way. They're the way to peace. They're the way to right. But God's plans for us are to be passed on. Look at verse 19. Your descendants would have been like the sand, your children like its numberless grains like it's numberless grains. Perhaps uh, the greatest lesson you could teach your child is that God has a plan for their life. God has a plan for their life. There, there's no greater lesson you could teach your child. You can teach them how to, how to be married. You can teach them how to work. You can teach them how to, how to have values. You can teach them all, all kinds of great things. But perhaps the greatest lesson you could ever teach them, God's got a plan for your life. Find it, and you'll find a place of fruit. You'll find a place of fulfillment. Miss it. And you'll miss all of that. You may have money. You may have some happiness. You may have some degree of satisfaction. But you'll miss it. Find his will and his plan for you, and you'll find a place of peace. You'll find a place of rightness. Here's what I want you to hear, too. Some of you here, you know, your kids, like, like me, your kids are grown. You think, have I missed it? Have I missed sharing with them some of the, some of the value in these things? And we'll tell you this, it's never too late. Now, since it's as late, <laughs> since it's as, late as it is in some of our cases, it may require some crow eating on our part. It may require some apology on our part. It may require stepping back to say, what you've seen in me early in your childhood, early in your raising and your rearing, was not what you should have seen. I realized this later on in life that his plans, his ways are always the best. And I've gone my own way sometimes. I've followed my own plans sometimes. Don't do that. Don't make the same mistakes I make. Don't follow in my, in my footsteps. Follow in a better way because here's what I want you to see. God's got a plan and design for your life. Find it. Pursue that above all else, and you'll find his peace for you. You'll find his way of righteousness for you. It's never too late to do that. Some things will outlive us. Uh, in fact, a lot of things will outlive us. Your, 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 your reputation, your influence will live on beyond you. 
what, what is going to outlive you? I'm going to tell you, that, that should outlive you. The fact that they've learned from you, God's got a plan for my life. They've seen that in you, hopefully. They've certainly heard it from your lips. God's got a plan for your life. Find it. Uh, my, my dad indirectly told me that. He didn't say God's got a plan for your life, but he said, well, he did, he, he did bring the Lord into the equation. He said, I was about 14 or 15, or no, I was later than that, because uh, I, I had my first real, I guess, part-time job where I actually got a check. I think it's 43 bucks and change. No, that would probably have been a Dallas Bell pool. That was cheaper than that. So anyway, <laughs> uh, the, 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 my, my whole frustration with, I don't like this. This is hard. This is work. This is, he said, son, don't ever let your feet hit the floor in the morning getting up to dread what you're going to do. Life's too short. Don't dread it every day. Find something you love and then figure out a way to get paid for it. Find something you love that you know God has for you and figure out a way to get paid for it. There's no, there's no greater value <clears throat> of what you could impart to your kids and, and, and turn indirectly to your grandkids and in turn indirectly to their grandkids. Find God's plan for your life. Find his design for you. Find his direction for you. There's no greater fulfillment than finding that. I found it. I, I followed it. It took me a while to get there, but I, I followed his advice, and I found, his, I found God's place and his design and his plan for me, and there's no greater fulfillment than that. None. I can testify to that, to that being true. But those kinds of things need to be passed on. He says here their name would never be cut off, meaning that reputation is going to live beyond you whether you like it or not. Now, what are you, what are you going to be known for? Are you going to be known for what you really want to be known for? Or are you going to be known for, boy, he was a great provider. She was a great cook. They were great. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But those, are, those aren't legacy things. We think legacy things are, I know a guy who would only drive Fords because his dad drove Fords all his life. Fords only car... Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing evil with it. But that's not a legacy thing. A legacy thing, the things we leave behind of value, those legacy things, are to be these kinds of things. Say, God's got design for you. Find that above all else. Seek that above all Know him. <laughs> but beyond that, find that above all else and seek that. Don't, let, don't, don't let, your, let your grip let go of him until you find it. Jeremiah 29, 11 speaks to this idea of, of future. For, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope. In the future. Now, you know what he's talking about in the future? He's talking about not just location, but legacy. Talking about not just what you see today, but what you live tomorrow, what you experience the decade from now, what you pass on to those that are coming along the path behind you. He's talking about legacy to give you hope in the future. He's talking about things living beyond you that are of value, that can't be bought, that can't be sometimes even hard to define. Why? Because they've come from God. And he's designed them. He's the one who defines them. Uh, these these non-legacy legacy things that we, we're, we're part of need to lay down and pick up the things that really matter and impart those things to the generation behind us. So the question has to come, what do you want to be known for? Goodness, godliness. You want to be known for, to be a great parent? You want to be known to be a godly leader of godly influence. Nothing wrong with being a great parent. Nothing wrong with driving forwards. Nothing wrong with having this recipe and cooking. Nothing wrong with wearing this brand of shoes. Or, nothing wrong with any of that. But those aren't legacy things. There's influence. Those aren't legacy things. Legacy things are the things you leave behind that are eternal, that live outlive you, live beyond you into the next generation and the generation after that. So you're passing on something. Who or what are you following? Because guess what? Whatever you're following and whoever you're following, there's a real good chance the generation behind you is going to follow the same things and do the same things and make the same decisions. Help them see God's plan for their life. Find that yourself and help them see that. A couple of observations as we wrap up, and that's this. 
The difference between your hopes and plans and God's, you want to you know what it is? It's this. It's the difference between satisfaction and significance. It really has to do with settling. Are you going to settle for satisfaction when you can really find significance? Are you going to settle for frustration when you can find fulfillment? We settle for a lot of things in life, and we shouldn't. Uh, we think satisfaction is pretty good until we get a taste of significance. Once you get a taste of significance, satisfaction is not even good anymore. We think this is pretty good. Now, when you find significance, <laughs> satisfaction feeds me for today. Significance feeds me forever. Satisfaction gives me a sense of belonging and, 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 and inclusion. Significance gives me a sense of destiny. It gives me a sense of here's what my life is supposed to be about. Here's what it always has been supposed to be. Maybe I'm not, I've not seen it all the time, but it's, it's God's design and his plan for me. I need to find and be hungry for significance over satisfaction every time, every time. Are we? Can that be said of us? Are, are those closest to us seeing those things? Are our kids gleaning those things? Well, they need to because they're going to have kids too that need to glean some things too, and they're going to have kids too. And so there needs to be some legacy things that we pass on to say, don't miss God's plan for your life. Find it, pursue it, grab a hold of it, and don't let go of it because you're, you're going to be a freak. If you find it and live it, you're going to be a freak in this culture. You're going to find more fruit and more fulfillment and less frustration. Learn to seek that and walk in it. Let's pray.